Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Here are your hosts, Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Hello and welcome to episode 32. We are happy to have you here. This is just an episode where it's Ryan and I. Uh, we've gone through uh, the church on track with you, and we went through seven different derailing factors. Yeah. Chugga chug. Do you hear that? Chugga chug. Chugga chug. Chugga chug. Chugga chug. Chugga chug. Chugga chug. Choo choo. And so we actually got a lot of really good feedback from that. People really appreciated your insight and the way that we dug down into it. I heard a lot of people really dug that bell curve that we talked through. And I know that there have been a lot of people who have shared these specific podcasts with other people and so i know that there's a number of people who are looking forward to us recording some more of them so awesome you are getting what you have asked for uh which is ryan's insight in this matter and uh we are really looking forward to uh digging down deep into new topics as well and so i'll have ryan kind of let's review the past topics first yeah that sounds good yeah, go sure. for it. Thank you. Yeah. Keep as long as you don't um as long as you don't post it behind you and then ask me to read it in really, really small font <laughs> like you did last time. Okay. So no promises. All right. I love great. putting you on the spot, Mike. I know you do. It's my it's my spiritual gift. I have the spiritual gift of awkwardness. <laughs> so you're welcome. Yeah. Here here we are at episode thirty two. During the course of our first half year of episodes, we covered this first part of the Church on Track series, the de- the derailing factors, things that get your church off track, off course. Those were uh, life stage, forgetting functions, size dynamics, success, anxiety, mission drift, and then we kind of introed this next series that we're doing. And you can find all those in our past episodes on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So go check them out. We did get some good feedback from some of those Now we're moving into this next segment of our Church on Track series, where we're looking at seven breakdown areas. And another way to think about these are, uh, these are areas that need frequent attention, upkeep, and maintenance, like changes and updates. Like if if you're a car person, I am not a car person, but I work on my cars to save money, right? So, but there are certain parts that you have to maintain and take care of. Like I change the oil and the brakes and getting much more complicated than that, I hire a mechanic. But I know. How can you how can you relate that to the Starship Enterprise? Well, you have to recalibrate the sensors every now and then. Got it. And you have to run level seven diagnostics on your systems mm. periodically. It's kind of like that Sweet. too. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No problem. So these are areas that churches may leave them on autopilot or ignore them. And if you do that, you will wind up off course. Mm. You will wind up not going where God intends for you to be or go. So if these are areas that if you look at all of the literature on church health and revitalization, these seven areas are the biggest topics that come up. When churches are struggling, chances are they're dealing with with one or more of these. They have problems in one or more of these areas. And so since we can't go to your church right now, I would encourage you to take a look at these seven areas as we talk about them. And say, how are we doing here? Have we have we evaluated the effectiveness of how we do topic number three or topic number five? Mm-hmm. Do we, is there more we can learn? Is there anything that we need to change? Is it working? So we'll, we'll yeah. talk a little, bit, a little bit about each of these in each episode. These episodes would be really good too for like 
boards to yeah. use them and play them like together and then yeah. have a genuine discussion, you know, as opposed to someone, you know, it, it's great for people to listen to these by themselves and then bring them to their board. But man, it would be really good if Absolutely. people would literally just spend some time and say, Hey, um, I'm going to pull up the YouTube video and we're just going to watch it right here before we begin our elder board meeting or before we begin our property of finance or deacon meeting or any yeah, of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great thing. Thank you, Mike. I hope somebody does, if yeah, anybody no does that, let us know. We'd love to know how that goes. You yeah. just Ryan, start it Ryan's going to send you a present. Ryan's going to send you a present if you do oh, it. Don't say that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> if you can show us documentation of you doing it, Ryan will send you a present. <laughs> We'd love to know though, if you, if you do that, you can start, you know, fast forward past all the Star Trek talk and then start it here and then right. show your boards the actually important part. And there is something powerful about, about watching it together. And then discussing mm -hmm. it rather than watching on your definitely. own and then come in and talk. That can be a yeah. great experience. Okay. So the seven areas we're going to be looking at now in this next part of our Church on Track series, these seven breakdown areas. Number one, leadership. Number two, transformational spirituality. Number three, worship. Number four, evangelism and mission. Number five is vision. Number six is uh, functional structures. That sounds like an exciting one, doesn't it? I can't even see any of them. So I'm just trying to attentively listen. Like number five, vision, gone. This no idea. <laughs> so you have no vision. Is that mm, here? No. Let me see if I, can I need get it the, um, I need the, uh, we are moving the TV again. What is keeping it? it classy? What soul stone does vision have in Marvel? The yellow one the comment in the comment below. It actually, it actually is yellow. The orangey. Yellow I just can't one. remember. I don't remember yeah, what it's called. I just can't, yeah. yeah. That's fine. Thank you. Keep going. Sorry. Vision. Yeah. Functional structures is number six. And then number seven leading change that these are areas that churches, they often struggle in. And so, and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, I was t talking about this one day and I had a pastor come up to me afterwards and said that he'd just been through a revitalization process and they had to work in all seven of these areas. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so these are, these are important areas to focus on. And today we're talking about the first one. We're talking about leadership today. We're just going to go over a few pointers, things that are important to keep in mind regarding leadership. You can have healthy leadership habits. You can have a healthy leadership culture. You can also have a very unhealthy leadership culture, and it will feel totally normal because it's the way things are done in your church. And it can be a major factor in the breakdown of your church. It can be a major factor in what's making your church unhealthy. So we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit. You ready to go for this, Mike? Ready to go, man. I'm actually really excited about this first portion uh, that we're coming up to next because I see it on my sheet of paper. And so it says topic one leadership. First thing to talk about the eye of the tiger. Oh, no, I mean, eyes, I mean, eyes on mission. Actually, it's funny that you should mention that really quick side note. I have a buddy who streams on Twitch and it, they're cracking down on copyright infringement. So I'm not going to sing Eye of the Tiger because that could get this episode axed. Yeah. Okay. I was, so, can you do an interpretive dance of it? All right. Yeah. So the first thing that that we want to talk about when we're talking about healthy leadership and is to keep your eyes on the mission. If you're in the leadership team of your church, whether you're a pastor or an elder or another key leader, it's very off, very common to feel like your job is to keep everybody happy, to keep people happy, oil the squeaky wheel, to deal with complainers and keep people pacified. And if that's what you think your mission is and your job, it's, it's going to take your church no place good. I mean, yes, you have to care for people and you have to engage with people that have concerns, but that does not override 
your main priority. And that is your main priority is to keep your church pursuing God's mission, to keep your church engaged in God's mission. Uh, As an elder or a pastor, that's what you're being held to account for before the Lord. Are you leading the church and engaging in its disciple-making mission in your community? So, number one, just keep your eyes on the mission. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I was actually, uh, while you were talking, it made me think of a quote, which I think it gets attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but I don't know if he actually said it. But that idea of pleasing everyone and trying to keep people happy all the time made me think of this. Uh, You can please some of the people all the time. You can please all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It gets attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but it could be one of those things. You know how people like quote Luther all the time and they're like, hey, this is a Luther quote. It turns out he never said it. <laughs> Same but thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's really important for people to remember because a lot of times like in leadership, people are like, well, do people like the the way I'm doing things to people are, are people in favor of it. And sometimes as a leader, it's not going to be what everybody wants or likes or feels like it's the appropriate direction. But sometimes that's why you're in that leadership position is to make those difficult calls because sometimes like you alluded to in the beginning, Ryan, we go on autopilot, but yeah. So for that first one, ion mission is really important. And especially to remind yourself that you're not always, going to appease and please everyone. So Ryan, why don't you take us through through that next step, understanding authority and responsibility? Yeah. And you know, last comment too on that first one before I move on to the next one. I think if it's if you feel like it's your job to keep everybody happy, you're going to pay a heavy cost if that's what you're going to try and do. You may try and stop a ministry initiative. You may prevent a, a new, excited, gifted leader from trying something new because it's upsetting somebody else. You could curb the growth and mission engagement of your entire church in order to keep somebody happy who's probably just looking for something to complain about. And if you satiate the one thing they're complaining about, they're going to find something else to complain about. And you're just going to always be chasing that. So don't don't play that game. Let me toot my own horn for a second because I'm actually really excited about this. I took notes from the coaching cohort and I literally have the quote that I wanted to come across with. So here's the quote. Okay. It says, we are perfectly designed to achieve what we are currently achieving. (laughs) And that really goes perfectly with the autopilot thing. When you think about it, we are perfectly designed to achieve what we are currently achieving. Yeah. And in leadership, in leadership, you're encouraged to, to move forward, to have a goal, to have a vision. And that kind of fights back up against that, that quote right there that we talked about in the cohort. Yeah. So I'm glad I was able to find that. Man, that's good. That's a great way to summarize that point. So number two in this topic is, understanding authority and responsibility. If you're going to be a healthy leader, you need to understand what authority and responsibility are and how you use those two things. So first, let me talk about responsibility. As a a key leader in your church, you need to be, you need to take responsibility for your church. So if you're a pastor or elder or another prominent ministry leader, you need to own responsibility for how your church is doing. That's easy to do when things are going great and you've just finished a building project or you just added a service or a staff member or you know just something very big and visible that looks like success. It's hard to do when there's a challenge and it's easy to blame other people. So mm-hmm. don't blame other leaders. Don't blame the people in the congregation. So one of the one of the common themes I see when you see a church that's struggling. One of the themes that you can see is the the senior leadership circle, they identify all kinds of factors about why the church is struggling. But amazingly enough, none of them have to do with themselves. 
And so they probably need to realign their perspective on the situation and take some ownership of what's going on. Yeah. Healthy leaders take responsibility for their church and they keep it. My next point on this line, they, healthy leaders, they keep responsibility, but they give away authority. So now we're going to talk about authority. Authority is the power to make decisions. And healthy leaders delegate decision-making power to other people. They delegate authority to others. And that's really, really important. So if you're a pastor or an elder, you want to empower and equip other leaders in your church that report to you, leaders that work for you, you want to delegate authority down to them. Mm -hmm. You don't want to keep it for yourself. And if you do that, you're going to wind up making decisions about things that you're not directly involved in. And you're really going to discourage the people who could be making those decisions who are in a better seat to make those decisions. Now, there are some boundaries about that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second here, but let me just uh, keep going. Yeah. So to kind of point, uh, make, make an illustration about this, let's look at some negative examples. One, t- sometimes unhealthy leaders keep authority, but they delegate responsibility. So the opposite of what we're talking about. They keep the authority, but they delegate the responsibility. Hey, we're going to have you be our Sunday school superintendent, but you need to come to us to approve the curriculum and all the people you're going to ask to be teachers you need to run that by us first. We get to make all the decisions, but if this goes south, it's your fault. That is a little slightly exaggerated example of keeping authority, but delegating responsibility. And that's micromanagement. That's that's incredibly toxic too, um, because it doesn't breed people who are willing to take risks. Yeah, no. Because people think like, all right, if if I take this risk and it fails, And I'm the one left holding the bag. What's the point in taking the risk? Mm -hmm. And so like as a church, you need people who act boldly, but you need to support those people who step out to do stuff like that. Because if you don't, you essentially just like cut them off at the knees. Mm -hmm. You you pull the rug right out from underneath them. Yeah. So yeah. Another pattern that unhealthy leaders can get into is when you give away both authority and responsibility. And that's another word for that is abdication. You've completely abdicated your leadership. Either you've given away authority, but you've also given away responsibility. You go do whatever you want. It's not my fault. If it doesn't go south, Mm. I'm not going to tell you what to do. This is a trap that's very easy to fall into in a congregational form of government because people when they get the wrong idea about a congregational form of government, they think, well, we're going to start a ministry and then the ministry is accountable to the congregation because we have a congregational form of government. And so the elders can't tell you what to do. You're not accountable to the elders. You're not accountable to the pastor or any other person in the church. You're only accountable to the entire church body at their annual business meeting. And that's not really how congregational government is supposed to work. The, the mm-hmm. right way to think of it is congregation is, is the most powerful decision-making body in the church, but they delegate oversight of the mission to the elders. Elders delegate the execution of the mission to the senior pastor. The senior pastor delegates operational day-to-day decisions to ministry leaders. That all can happen in the context of congregational government. Anyway, that's a that's a trap that pattern that a congregational form of government church can fall into. Another trap that unhealthy leaders fall into is that they never give away leadership to others. They never give away power, never give away positions or roles. And as a result, very skilled, competent leaders will leave your church in frustration because they're never trusted. And I see this again and again and again, where somebody comes, somebody joins the church. You know, it seems pretty clear. God's brought someone to your church to help you engage in your ministry in the community. And they keep trying to start new things. They come in with new ideas and things that could really change the dynamics of your church and and bring a lot of, like, a lot of health and success. And they keep getting shot down and walls get put up. Those people eventually are going to leave. The people that God's brought to your church with leadership gifts 
If you don't use gifted leaders, part of their makeup as gifted leaders, they're going to go somewhere where they can make a difference. And so if the only job you'll ever give them is folding chairs, they're not going to stay around. And unhealthy leaders can, you know, with good intentions... Uh, you know, sometimes the reasons are, well, they haven't been here that long. They don't know our church, or I could do it a little bit better than they could, so I'm going to keep doing it. Like the, Or, mm-hmm. well, what if they leave? What if we make them a leader and then they leave, right? So all kinds of good-sounding reasons that leaders use to uh, refuse expanding their leadership circles to new people. Yeah. Third point is to practice empowering leadership. And we started talking about this in this last point, but let's talk about it a little bit more. Healthy leaders keep responsibility, but give away authority. And this is called empowering leadership. When you equip others and you give them the authority, you know, under your leadership to go out and make decisions and you do set out guidelines in advance, you know, so you make it clear like, okay, here are the kinds of decisions that you have to refer to whoever's supervising you, whether Mm -hmm. that's a pastor or another ministry leader. Like, these are the kinds of things you need to run by, but here are the kinds of decisions you're free to make on your own. And if you got questions, come to come to so-and-so. Those are the kinds of guidelines you want to lay out. Mm. Opposite of this is when we don't guide and give a direction ahead of time. That's as a senior leader in the church, that's your job to to make it clear where the church is going to that ministry leader and, and how what they're doing is going to help the whole church get closer to that goal and to kind of cast vision for where you're going. But instead, we often do the opposite, which is we don't give any guidance or direction ahead of time. We don't cast vision. We don't set direction. We don't lay out any boundaries. But instead, we micromanage and we come in behind and say, hey, you know, you go do all this work. You're going to go. And um, when you do something wrong, then I'll tell you. That's I'm going to teach you. I'm going to correct you. Every time you do so, I, I have never told you the right or wrong thing. I've never given you any boundaries or guidelines, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in behind and tell you every time you mess up, or anytime you break these unwritten, unspoken rules we have, the, the way we do things, anytime you violate that, we're going to <laughs> sit down and I'm going to correct you. And like, that's Incredibly the, frustrating. Yeah. I've done that in my yeah. ministry. I realized, oh my goodness, this is... What am I doing to my ministry leaders? Like this is how they how they learn how the church works. You know, we started to put things mm-hmm. in writing when we realized uh, we were we were teaching by strictly by embarrassing correction. And there's just way better ways wow. to lead and guide people. So don't fall into that trap. You know, and that's that's micromanaging. It's like, hey, you go do all this work and then come back to me and I will make your decisions for you. Hmm. And that kind of gets us to the next point here. Like the people who are doing the ministry should be the ones making decisions about it. Yeah. And this gets disconnected. And actually one of the places where this gets most disconnected is I'm, we're, so just be ready, Mike. If we have like uh, consistent followers, I may we may lose a bunch of them with this one. Uh-oh. So you ready? Yeah. I think one of the most common areas is when you get into areas with ch- where churches have committees. And a common one is the, the Christian Education Board, the Christian Education Committee. <sighs> yeah, I went there. So there's, there's a, a committee of people who are responsible for overseeing Christian education, usually of children. Mm, yep. So it's a committee of people and they approve curriculum and maybe, some, and maybe some other like budget, they approve budgetary expenses, but they may not be the people teaching Sunday school classes. So there might be one person, one member of that committee might be the Sunday school superintendent. And that superintendent is then recruiting, doing all, again, doing all the work, right? Recruiting teachers, mm-hmm. picking curriculum, getting crafts and games ready and announcements and communications, but yeah. may have to go to this committee for decisions to be made. And if they're not yeah. also, People who are teaching and involved in the in the the, the ministry, the, the the actual teaching ministry, you could have some real dysfunction and, and challenge and trouble along the way. 
Yeah. You and I were talking about this yesterday, Ryan. Um, and, and one of the things that I shared was uh, when I used to work in retail, and I'll leave the retailer out. Uh, one of the things that used to infuriate me is like you'd get orders from corporate telling you, set the stuff up like this. This is the way we want it set up. And as you go to set it up, you as the person who works in that store, who have seen the people and the ins and outs, yeah. know the people personally, know the way that things are going. You look at that schematic and you're like, that's not going to work. And if you stepped one footstep into this store, you would know that it wouldn't work. And so I think that that's the other thing too, to remember with this micromanagement and everything is making sure that the people who see it every day, not to say that they, sh that they can make all of the rules or make all of the ideas, but those should be the people that you ask, Hey, what's going well? Hey, what do you notice mm -hmm. uh, is making a difference? What are people connecting with? What, what are people uh, leaving with? What are they remembering? How can we, get them to come back. All of those things are stuff that the people who are in that leadership, they see personally, and those should be the people who leadership talks to, to get their input, as opposed to, you know, having that trickle down effect where it's like, are you even like, are you even part of that? You're, you're making us do this study, but half the people in the study that I know might not even enjoy it or relate yeah, to it or yeah. understand it. So it's important to, yeah. to remember that as you're moving forward. That's a great, great point, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that example, you might say, well, we need to have somebody approving curriculum. Okay, mm -hmm. that's fine. Yeah, but yep. there are all kinds of different ways to do that. It doesn't mean that you need to send every single decision to a committee. Mm -hmm. uh, so and a couple ways you can fix this, if that's how your church is structured, is you can fill that committee with the people who are doing the ministry. So instead of like the Sunday school superintendent and five people who don't do anything with Sunday school, it could be the Sunday school superintendent <laughs> and four teachers and yep. another person who does set up and clean up and greets people, right? Yep. Yep. So you start staffing that committee and then because because getting group input is great, right? 100%. but really it's it's uh, like a team is people who are actually doing ministry when you bring them together to make this help help make decisions. That's a good, healthy team. Yeah. So by all means, use that. Or, you know, if you've got a committee full of people, start engaging them in the work of the Sunday school outside of the meetings. Nice. And you may find here's the thing, you know, in our broken, sinful nature, people like power. People like to be able to make decisions. They're much more drawn to that than ser than serving. So you may have people in leadership roles that may not have a servant's heart. And this is one way to assess that and mm -hmm. give them opportunity to become servant leaders. And I also think it's a good way to quickly identify and flush out people who aren't really there to serve the Lord or the church, but people who are looking for significance and influence mm -hmm. and are finding it in positions in our churches. Yeah. So glad you could all be here for our final episode of the podcast as we talk about that topic. That's a big one, man. Yeah, absolutely. It is. So number four um, is develop new leaders. And the, kind of a big theme around this is you, your job as a leader should be preparing the church for your absence. Not that you're going to leave immediately, but the idea mm -hmm. is that when you leave, if you were to die, if you were to move, if you were to sense a calling to a new area of ministry in the church, that mm -hmm. the church is ready for your absence, that someone is there 
to step in. One thing that I was told, not in the church, but outside in the workforce, uh, when I used to work as a line cook, and one of your main goals is to train people. Yeah. And the main thing that they told you was, if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. And so I'm not sure how well that works in the, the framework of a church, but I think that it goes really well with this fourth yeah. one, developing new leaders. Yeah. If you can't be replaced, you're stuck because you can't go up or down, you know, and yeah. not being able to be promoted, at least in a kitchen mindset was, you know, if I get somebody to work here, now I can move up to the next level. If I get somebody here, then I can move up to the next level. And so you're constantly trying to train so that you can move people up and yeah. developing leaders is exactly like that. And it's important to remember if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. Yeah. Every one of us needs to remember this, that we are all replaceable. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's how God has made the body of Christ. But if you have created a situation where you've made yourself irreplaceable, where things would really fall apart if you were to suddenly leave, like if you got yeah. sick and wound up in the hospital, which nowadays, right, during COVID can literally happen yep. all the time. You may have to call your pastor tomorrow and say, I just got a positive COVID test. I can't come in for the next two weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's important that you are able to be replaced, that you can pass the baton on to somebody else. And if you've created a situation where only you have knowledge of how things work, only you have the passwords to certain accounts, if only you know how this computer program works, then you've created a real, a major long-term problem for the church. So you want to yeah. work, work away from that. Healthy leaders yeah. eventually pass on their key roles to up-and-coming leaders, and then they advance on to other roles in the church. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a great example of this is in church planting. So some a very common theme that happens in church planting is about a generation in, you know, like as a church grows and it reaches another phase of growth where the, or, the church as an organization has to grow and get more complicated. That can be a really challenging season because you're adding ministries and the way things are led has to get more complicated. And very often there is a whole group of leaders that will leave the church plant, the pioneers of the church plant will up and leave because they don't like how things are changing. There are, there are new people coming into leadership. The way leaders have to lead has gotten more complicated. It takes more work to involve the right people in decisions and to communicate effectively. And they no longer have the type of influence, the type of, like in a brand new church, you know, you just decide one day, okay, we're going to do this. Boom. And then you mm. do it. As a church grows and adds complexity, you have to involve other people in decisions and you have to in invite new people into leadership roles. And when people can't handle that, they cause this splits and disruptions. They may leave. So it's very common to see whole groups of what I call the pioneers, the, the pioneer lay people of a church plant up and go. So here's what I'm getting to. But there are some that stay. And if you look at the ones that stay and thrive, it is very, very interesting to see what they have done. I see people that, that were founders of a church plant, like the founding lay people of the church plant, the ones that didn't leave, they eventually stopped serving in whatever key leadership role they had. And they passed the baton onto someone else. And they found a new place in ministry. And they found a new role. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is like when someone goes from being an elder and they and then they stop being an elder and and they they teach Sunday school, that sounds like a demotion, right? And like they should have less influence. When that happens, their influence actually just grows. It it doesn't go away because they're no longer serving actively as an elder. There'll always be an elder there. Even though they're they're letting go of their title, they retain their influence. They have mm -hmm. relational influence that continues and grows yeah. and people really respect. 
when a leader is willing to say, my, my time is done. It's time for someone new to come in and take on this role. Or even better, when a leader says, it's going to be my time to go. And so they begin yeah. to train up another yep. person so that there's a smooth transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great too. We'll have to get into this some other time, but healthy boards, healthy elder boards and governing boards mm-hmm. have term limits. Yeah, And it's not that, uh, it's not about any one person, but what tends to happen when you don't have term limits is one, you don't bother preparing new leaders. Mm-hmm. You don't develop mm-hmm. new leaders because you don't have to, because you got elder yeah. so-and-so and elder so-and-so and elder so-and-so, and they all do a great job and you could never replace them. So nobody tries to. And then all of a sudden the elders have moved or they have died or, you know, they're just not there and no one's been readied. Right. And and it creates yep. a major problem. I was going to say something else about that. And I just totally, totally lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. So term limits, it forces the church. It's not about any one individual, but it forces the church to be continually preparing and handing off the baton of leadership to newer people. And a common yes. theme when you see a church that's struggling, you know, just kind of an indicator. It's not the only problem. It's not the sole source of the problem, but it's an interesting indicator. Oftentimes they don't have term limits for their board members. Where And what hmm. I mean by that is generally it's like, hey, you can serve two terms, then you have to take off at least a year before you can run for this office again. And honestly, that year is a great break. If you're an elder, you know... <laughs> Having a, a, a one-year kind of Sabbath from that type of office is, is a huge yeah. aid to your longevity as an elder. Yeah. So be thinking about how you can develop other leaders. And I, I want to encourage you to train others or to get them training. I think on-the-job training is a great way to train people. And you can do this in almost any ministry in the church. So here's how on-the-job training works. You move people through through four phases of, tr- of training. So one is, mm. number one... I do, and you watch. And then we talk about it. Then the next phase is we do it together, and then we talk about how it went, what you learned. The third phase is you do, and I watch. So you do it. I'm supervising you and observing, and we'll talk about it after that. The fourth phase is you do, and you tell. So the trainer is no longer present. The trainee goes off and does it, and then you come back together to talk about how it went. So that's a great, great pattern to, to follow as you're preparing people. Not just preparing people to be training in the church, but pretty much like in life. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're if you're a parent, there's a great chance that whether yeah. you knew you did it or not, you subconsciously walk through all four of those steps. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's great. Hey, before we get into um to number five, let's just recap really quick. So we're we're on the topic of leadership. And so the first one is to uh keep your eye on the mission. And then the next one is to understand authority and responsibility. Number three is to practice empowering leadership. And then uh four is developing new leaders, and then we come to five. Uh so Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about beware of power silos? That sounds dangerous. It, it is. sounds kind of like lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So power silos are a problem for a church. They really are, and they they are a problem in of them in and of themselves, but also they create lots of issues for the church in other ways. Everybody in a church should be under spiritual authority, mm-hmm. and if there's somebody who isn't, there's a problem. So, yes. for example, the the elders like in our polity, the elders are are accountable to the congregation, right? The congregation delegate, the the voting members of the congregation, the elders are accountable to them. Yeah. Um, But outside of board meetings, the congregation is under the spiritual authority of the, the pastor and elders. Elders are under the authority of the congregation, 
pastor is under the authority of the elders and is an equal as well, which is kind of an interesting duality there. But there are, you know, the pastor is a full member of the elder board, but as an, as an elder, as an employee is accountable to his fellow elders. The, you know, ministry leaders accountable to the pastor, people on ministry teams accountable to their ministry leaders, small group members accountable to their small group leaders, right? If someone isn't under spiritual authority, there's going to be a problem. And that's where power silos occur. When a team or a leader isn't accountable to anyone else, they don't, yeah. they're, they don't, there's never a reckoning. If they make a decision that's way out of line, no one can rein them in. No one can say, it's my job to check on you, make sure you're doing okay, and that your ministry is heading in the right direction. If they don't have those people, that's a problem. And that's when you have a silo. And these divisions can occur uh, many different places. They can happen between ministries, between ministry leaders and the elders. Um, it can happen between pastors and the elders. It can happen when a, a pastor or an elder is uh, closely related to a ministry leader, and then that ministry becomes hands-off, like no other leaders can speak into it mm -hmm. because of these close relationships, and no, no one wants to mess with that. So there's all kinds of ways that these can inadvertently occur. And again, the congregational form of government can lead to this as well, where people think, oh, well, we practice congregational government. Therefore, every ministry is accountable to the congregation. And the only time we meet is at the business meeting. So no one can tell me what to do until we get into that business meeting. You know, not in these terms, but they're basically saying, hey, back off, elder board. Back off, pastor. You have no right to ask me any questions. So there's that one. Number six. Oh, go ahead, um, Mike. Ryan, can, yeah, let me just ask you a quick question. So uh, number five, where we're talking about uh, accountability, is there a benefit uh, I know we're trying to stick within the local congregation, but is there a benefit with accountability in terms of being part of a group that is outside of the church that promotes some sort of spiritual accountability or some, something along those lines? Do you know what I'm trying to get at or no? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think there are all kinds of opportunities for that throughout the broader kingdom of God. And mm -hmm. in our polity, in the CLB, we have, we have congregational autonomy. So there's not a yeah. lot of that required. Pastors don't have a bishop that they have to check in with. Congregations choose who they call to be their pastor. They're not churches aren't required to give certain amounts of money, you know, to the the national church body. So there's not a lot of those uh, mandated types of accountability. But I think it's a yeah. wonderful idea to choose that to mm -hmm. choose that for yourselves. So like Mike and I, we, we've alluded to this in this episode. We're part of a coaching cohort, so we're going through training with a group of six pastors. We're learning together. We're holding each other accountable. We're being honest and open with each other about how it's going, applying what we're learning, where we're mm -hmm. messing up, where what's hard, what's going well. So there's a, a voluntary accountability that we're creating there. Um, so there yep. may be regional ministries that, that you want to be a part of. We're a part of three churches in New England, Cultivate New England, that we have decided to bond together and work in ministry together. So we have an accountability right. to each other as churches. We've agreed to work on this church planting project together. Mm -hmm. And I think we do that with our national church body as well. The national church body of the CLB exists to guide and help support ministry that we can't do alone, but we can do together. So we send cool. church planters. We send international missionaries. We train future pastors and ministry leaders. We do it together. Mm -hmm. And that requires people to willingly engage in that, to willingly give to that to volunteer their time to help with those projects. To you, invest in it. Mike, you give your time to this podcast. It's it's a wonderful, beautiful gift. And you're you're do it, doing it voluntarily for the greater, greater good. Yep. All right. So we're on number six now, right? Prioritizing generous leadership. 
Yeah. So this is maybe, Man, you know, hearing this, this goes really good with spoiler yeah. alert episode yeah. 34. Yeah. It's going to be coming out in, in two weeks. Yeah. We just recorded a great episode coming out two weeks from now with mm-hmm. John Wright. So that'll be episode yep. 34, all about generosity. Prioritize generous leadership. And, and here's this point. Those who are involved in making leadership decisions should be regular proportional givers or tithers to your ministry. And again, you don't have to know. It's not so much about knowing exactly how much they're giving, but that somebody mm-hmm. knows, okay, the people in leadership are people who are generous. They are consistently, regularly generous. And you know, only the Lord knows if they're tithing or you know, how how sacrificially we're giving. We can't know those details, but somebody in the finance team can probably get a sense of whether or not this is a person that gives generously. Not about the amount, but about the spirit of their of their heart. And and what you want to avoid is leaders who aren't giving but are making leadership decisions about money and about finances. Like that just it doesn't work. It causes pro it causes leadership challenges. And that's another theme that you see in churches that are struggling where the leaders aren't giving themselves to a cause, to the cause of their church. I don't think this is worth my money, but I think other people should. And I'll make decisions about what we do with that money. That's just a dynamic that it, it doesn't work. It, it causes all kinds of challenges along the way. So that's why it's important that we're doing that. Because again, it says something about, kind of goes back to being that we're submitting to one another. Mm-hmm. When we give, we're saying, you know what? I I am re- I am giving this money to the Lord's church, and together as a church, we'll decide what happens with that money. Yep. I'm giving up my right to decide what happens with that money. And it does something to you, to the heart of a leader when you do that. Yeah. I think we should add and a it, number seven here, and that is okay. to follow the model of Christ. Totally. I mean, I think we absolutely need to end on that. Well, and I think like as you, or I should say as we, as we recap all of these, it's not difficult to see how Christ modeled each one yeah. of these six steps. Absolutely. Perfectly. So maybe we don't need to have a seven step, but literally to see that Christ modeled each one of these steps perfectly himself and that we have someone who did show us how to do it. And so like, as we go through it, we talk about, you know, having an eye on mission and we know that Christ's eye was always on the mission of the cross, always to sacrifice himself for the forgiveness of sin and, and to guarantee eternal life, you know, understanding authority and responsibility. Jesus understood how authority and responsibility worked. And we see him use those in ministry to encourage people uh, to accomplish different tasks. Yeah. We see number, you know, number three, practice empowering leadership. Think about the people that Jesus surrounded himself with as disciples and think about what he encouraged them to do, to go out and to proclaim the good news and to cast out things. Uh, I mean, there there's a number of things that Jesus literally empowered his people to go out and do, uh, you know, developing new leaders. We see Jesus literally called people who were fishermen to become fishers of men. You know, beware of power silos. We see Jesus interacting with people who literally had no accountability whatsoever. And when they met Christ, he was able to point out the shortcomings, not to make them feel bad as people, but to show them that, hey, this is this is an obstacle in your life that needs to be rectified. You know, yeah. I think about that rich young ruler where he's like, go sell all that you have 
and come and follow me. And he doesn't say that because he wants, because Christ wants all of us to be poor, but literally because he knew that that man's stuff was a stumbling block getting in his way of his relationship. And then the last one yeah. is uh, prioritize generous leadership. Bro, who is more generous than Jesus Christ, who literally not only tells you to lay down your life for your brother and sister, but literally did it. Like you don't, you don't get more generous than literally giving your life up in yeah. order to... Yep. to accomplish that. And so like, as we go through these six, you can see he did it perfect. And, uh, and as we move forward, this is not something we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're, we're literally just pointing things out by saying, Hey, if we focus on scripture, we focus on Christ. These are the things that will make the church strive. Yeah. And there's a reason why Christ did all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So, Amen. Great. That's a great, great recap, Mike. Thank you so much for tying that all together. That's what I get paid the big bucks for, baby. That's right. Absolutely. As we wrap here, I want to I want to share a couple of other just some summary thoughts here. We'll we'll okay. get on to leadership development. How do you develop leaders? We'll have to address that in another podcast because there's so much involved in that. But yeah. So we haven't done that justice. Uh, we really just skimmed over all these. Uh, mm-hmm. I want I want to share a couple mm-hmm. of a couple of quotes um, from some scholars in the area of of church health here. So there's one guy named Darren Patrick. He writes this. The main reason churches fail is poor leadership. Mm-hmm. And we may not think of leadership as an obvious issue, but it is a major, major factor yeah. and the biggest one. That's why I put this one at the, at the top of the list. And two of the common themes in poor leadership are failing to take conflict and cultural change seriously. When you don't handle mm-hmm. conflict well, you avoid it or you deal with it poorly. Neither are good. Failing to take conflict seriously, failing to take cultural change seriously. When the culture mm-hmm. around your church changes, the community changes, but you don't change how you communicate the gospel. That'll be an issue down the road, and that's on the, the shoulders of the leaders in the church. Yeah. Another thought here, so research uh, has showed that, that pastors that have successfully revitalized the church, listen to some of the characteristics. They're visionary. They have a mentor or a coach. They have good people skills. They're more innovative than traditional. They work well with teams. They delegate. They train new leaders. They embrace difficult but necessary change. They have conflict resolution skills that communicate well. They empower the use of spiritual gifts. They are able to manage multiple teams of people and coalitions of both new members and long-term members as well. So those are some of the things that no one person can do all those things except for Jesus, right? But those are the kinds of behaviors and practices that we want to develop as leaders. I think it was, uh, yeah, Tom Rainer had to say this about leaders. Effective leaders are not concerned only with the church during their lifetime, but make decisions that will benefit the church after they're gone. They're quick to praise others and equally quick to accept responsibility for anything that may go wrong. So there we go. Leadership. I think we were going to make that. We were aiming for a 20-minute episode. We got it done. I think we doubled it. More than double that. Yes. Oh, so way to go. Before you do the outro, I forgot. Yeah. I, I want to show you this shirt I wore just for you, Mike. In because there's a lot of sports thing going on right now, right? No, I mean not really. Oh shoot! I well, mean football's football's going on right now, okay. so that's pretty. That's a pretty big but, deal. <laughs> but there's not a lot of sports going on right now. Oh, okay. Well, Sorry, sure you I know. But look at the t-shirt I wore. Go local sports team, Ryan. Can yeah. I ask you who your local sports team is? Nope. Yeah, exactly. Don't know. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, thanks for sharing your insight minus the sports. Uh, situation Uh, but you're trying hard and that is really what makes a difference is that you're trying 
I have yet to watch a single Star Trek episode, so I'm not even trying. But you did not just say that. Seeing you wear that shirt maybe has empowered me to watch a Star Trek episode. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, to our listeners, we thank you for putting up with Ryan and I and for being here listening. And we hope that you are really getting some insightful things that you can bring back to your leadership. And we really would love to encourage you to share the podcast with a friend or colleague, or like we alluded to in the very beginning of the podcast, spend a little bit of time just watching it together with a group of people. If you're on the elder board, do it before the meeting. If you're on any type of leadership board uh, and you can spend some time watching it, thinking through it, debriefing, all of those things are a benefit to furthering the kingdom of God. And so we just love to encourage you uh, to do that. And thanks again for listening and we will see you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast with Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.